So um, I was cut off abruptly there uh, because apparently you're only allowed to talk 60 minutes. Where does the time go? Before I forget, well, that's the name of my book, isn't it? But I want to get back to where I was, uh, where I was before I was cut off. So we had just moved from Newport, Rhode Island to Virginia Beach because my dad was stationed in Virginia Beach. I was so heartbroken to leave Newport, Rhode Island. You have no idea. I was dating a boy named Jerry Sleeper, but actually also secretly into his older brother, Jerry, uh, Jimmy Sleeper. These boys had long black hair and they were so fine. And anyways, I did not want to leave. I was in love with Jerry Sleeper. So how old was I then? I guess I was, uh, hmm. Actually, it's easier to remember. I was heading into the ninth grade when I arrived in Virginia Beach. And I had a Newport, Rhode Island wardrobe. I dressed um, like all the other girls were dressing there. They were, this is what they would, the girls in Newport, Rhode Island would wear. Timberland boots, the beige colored ones, I mean the tan colored ones, Levi's jeans, red tag, chamois shirts, uh, sterling silver necklaces, but kind of sporty, like boyish, you know, I don't know how to explain, but definitely not feminine, okay, Timberland boots, Levi's jeans, chamois shirts, it was um, like a working class kind of area where I lived, and so I arrived in Virginia Beach, and I was, what the fuck, the girls were all wearing mini skirts and tight jeans, and just dressing very hot, and I was like, a tomboy, the way I dressed. Well, that didn't last long. I'll tell you that. You have to blend in, don't you? So I was like, I need some new threads. And um, this is something that's going to be hard for me to admit. But while we're bearing our souls, you got to. Didn't have enough money. My dad was on a tight budget. He was frugal. Because guess what? Allison, his wife, my stepmom, had given birth to my stepbrother in Newport right before we moved, and his name is Zachary. So he was born in Newport, and then we all dragged the show down to Virginia Beach. So in one house on 817 Romney Lane, R-O-M-N-E-Y. This is, I'm not looking at any files here or something. This is coming from memory. 817 Romney Lane. So in that house lived me, my sister, my brother, Michelle and Chet, and my stepbrother, Zachary, who was a baby, my stepmom, Allison, and my dad. We lived there. And I went to Bayside Junior High. I was the new girl in school. And this was not Navy housing. This was civilian housing. And, oh my God, the girls wanted to scratch my fucking eyes out. I got the crap beat out of me all the time. They would wait for me to leave the school grounds and beat me up. I was constantly being jumped and beat up. I was petrified to go to school because I weighed like 90 pounds or whatever. 
Actually, my boobs started to sprout a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had boobs. They were coming. They were sprouting. I was sprouting. So I might have been 14 at the time. I'm trying to think. Uh, anyways, it was 1981. I was utterly obsessed with the Stones. Obsessed with the Rolling Stones. Everything in my room. I was still listening to Alice Cooper, but I was obsessed with the Stones. I loved Alice Cooper. I loved Rod Stewart. My dad had, you know, Thin Lizzy and Zappa still cranking. But I was so into Mick Jagger. I was like, ugh, what can I And the Stones were gearing up to tour. They were coming up with their 1981 tour. I was, I had to have tickets. I was going, oh, okay, let's get back to the threads. Remember how I said I didn't have any clothes? I, I needed new clothes. I needed to look feminine. My dad did not want to part with any money. He was very frugal. So I, um, it's so hard to even say. I would go to the mall and, and steal clothes. Yeah, I needed clothes. So I would steal clothes. I was very good at stealing clothes. I don't steal now. Oh, my God. I'm talking about when I was very young. I would not only steal clothes, but I was selling weed. <laughs> Swear to God, ninth grade, I was selling weed outside of a arcade. There was a, you know, a pinball arcade, like a, like, there was, that was fun, because I don't think they have them that much anymore. There was a place called Replay. That was the hangout. Come home, do my homework, eat with the family, and fucking book it to Replay. And they would play music in there, and they would play the Stones a lot. And I didn't know it yet, but I was actually kind of doing karaoke. I mean, they didn't have karaoke, but I was, when the Stones would come on, I would be prancing around, acting like a Mick Jagger, singing along to the music and everything. And my dad was still kind of smoking doobies in the garage. My stepmom did not like it. My stepmom didn't like the weed. She didn't like Frank Zappa. So my dad had like a garage. <laughs> Oddly enough... Frank Zappa has a record called Joe's Garage. My dad had a garage. He would go out there, fix cars. Very good. My dad can fix anything, by the way. Anything. Washing machines, airplanes, fucking cars. My dad can fix it. Anything. And by the way, he's definitely does not smoke weed anymore. This was a long time ago. So it's kind of hard to be in the Navy and smoke weed, by the way. You have to drink a lot of orange juice and, you know. He was... um in the Navy as a job, but he loves the music, and sometimes weed is in the mix, okay? So they would grow weed at home. In fact, I'm pouncing back to when I was five, and we were living at my dad's house in Ellington, Connecticut. I remember my first word I could spell was weed, W-E-E-D. That was the first word I learned how to spell, was weed. And they would grow their own weed and bake it in the oven to dry it out. I remember them baking weed in the um, in the oven to dry it out quicker. So <laughs> no wonder I was selling weed. I would roll joints, bring them to replay, sell weed, get money, and buy some clothes. And also, I was very much into the Rocky Horror Picture Show. There was a mall called the Lilac Mall 
and they had a movie theater inside there. And every weekend, Friday and Saturday, the late night show, they had the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And there was a little stage and they had a cast doing the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like while the movie was playing, people would act it out. And I was Janet. So I had to get my hands on Janet's wardrobe. The stocking suspenders, the feather boa, the little outfit she wore in the church, this and that. Every outfit. My dad was not willing to part with money for that shit. I was lucky that he would let me go out on the weekends and do that, to be Janet. So I would either steal shit or sell weed and buy the shit. But nothing was going to stop me from playing Janet every Friday and Saturday at the fucking mall. And uh, I definitely had to have a padded bra. I remember that because my boobs were not big enough yet. But I, I know every word to that fucking movie, by the way. I know. I've seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show at least 300 times. I played Janet. <laughs> and I was dressing in stockings and suspenders at age 14 every Friday and Saturday. So I was definitely more advanced than my classmates. And therefore the women wanted to fucking rip my eyes out. So what else happened at Bayside Junior High? I was in the drama class. We had to write a play. That was the project of the year. Everyone had to write a play that we would perform in front of the school. So I wrote a play called The Adventures of Mick. I was Mick. And I had to strap my little boobies down. I mean, they weren't that little. They were like a B cup. I had to strap my boobs down. And I dressed the way Mick did on the 81 tour. I saw images on TV of what Mick was wearing. And I was so fucking hot for him. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was so hot. With the knee pads. He was wearing white football pants. Blue knee pads. White Capizio shoes and socks, and a white tank top, and he was wearing a flag as a cape. Half the flag was the British flag, half the flag was the American flag. Remember that? I wanted to have that exact same outfit, and like a red taxi cab kind of hat. He was wearing that. I had to get all that shit. I got it. I got it. I have to admit, I did steal someone's American flag and make my to make my cape. I could not get my hands on a a Union Jack flag, but I stole someone's flag and I made it into a cape for my play. <sighs> Fuck. I'm going to burn in hell for all the stealing I did when I was like 14. Anyhow, I wrote the play and this is what it was like. I had two girls in the play, my play, I had desks all over the stage. They were in detention. They were had to stay after school for being bad. And that was on stage. So we got the school in the audience. And they're like, oh, can't believe I'm in detention again. And the other girl's like, yeah, I know. <clears throat> Sorry. I wish I was home listening to my Stones albums. And so they both put their head on their hands. And they go, oh. and then... Under My Thumb starts to play. And I walk out and I go, Hello, ladies. It's me, Mick. You're not dreaming. I'm really here. Because the girls were supposedly falling asleep 
and dreaming of Mick, yeah? And then I come in, I'm in their dream. I'm like, hello, ladies. And I, I danced. I practiced under my thumb at home like 500 times like to get it to get it correct and there was no karaoke version I had to sing along with the song and dance and the girls were swooning over me you know the two girls that were on stage my actresses and I <laughs> I watched a lot of stones videos I took a bucket of water and threw it at the first few rows on the in the audience and I also had a bucket of rose petals and I threw that while I was um singing to the audience, dancing like Mick. I can do a mean Jagger dance, by the way. Um, I probably couldn't now because my boobs are much bigger now, but I pulled it off. And I really, that's another regret. I really wish there was a video of that because I nailed it. Nailed it. So everyone in Virginia Beach that I went to school with in the ninth and 10th grade, that's the only time I was there. I was there for the ninth and 10th grade. They know, they know me as Dot Jagger, not Dr. Dot. I wasn't Dr. Dot yet. I was Dot Jagger. I called myself Dot Jagger. I was so utterly obsessed with the stones. <sighs> Had to meet him. I was like, I'm going to meet Mick Jagger. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure you are. I'm like, I am. Just fucking watch. I'm going to meet him someday. I swear to God. So let me look at the clock here because apparently you're only supposed to talk. 60 minutes. Okay, listen. There was a local radio station called FM 99. And they were... <laughs> Please just keep in mind there's no internet back then, okay? You can't fucking Google stuff back then. There was no Googling. There's no DuckDuckGo back then, all right? We're talking fucking old school. I knew my shit already back then. I had tons of Stones books, tons of Stones albums. There's always a Zappa thing going on as well, all right? But, I, uh, oh my God, I would go to Sears. I can't believe I'm telling you this. I would go to Sears, wear a sweatshirt. My parents didn't know. Grab like, I don't know, 10 or 15 Stones albums put my shirt over them and walk out with them. I know, I know. Horrible, horrible. If I was Catholic, I would be like going there and confessing. I'm confessing to you right now. Horrible. I Nothing could keep me from my Stones addiction. Nothing. I had every fucking... And, and in the end, I had 186 different Stones albums. When I say in the end... It's because I sold them all in Berlin, Germany for a thousand euros like 10 years ago. No, not 10 years ago. Maybe 15 years ago. 2007, I sold all my Stones albums. Ugh. Anyways, let's get back to where we were. We're in Virginia Beach. I'm obsessed with the Stone. Utterly, utterly besotted with Mick Jagger. Like, ugh. You know, when you're going through puberty, there's, there's somebody that you like. Whether it's a girl in your class, a guy in your class an actress on TV or a rock star. Mick Jagger and Rod Stewart. I mean, I, it, my first crush was definitely Rod Stewart. I'm talking like pff, age 11, 12. I would get a twitch downstairs. You know, when I, when I say downstairs, you know what I'm talking about, right? The sugar below my waist, that. Rod Stewart got me so hot. I was like, ah. Oh. And all the men would be like, he's gay. 
Uh, no, I don't fucking think so. So anyone who has seven children is not gay, okay? Unless you adopt them. Anyways, anyways, I love Rod Stewart. But then when I, I got turned on to the Stones, the first song I ever heard from the Stones was She's So Cold. I mean, my family might have been listening to them, but I didn't take notice until I heard She's So Cold. I saw a girl in her car jamming like crazy, going nuts in the car, listening. I rolled down my window because my Aunt Karen left me in the car alone. She's like, stay out here. I'm going in this place, whatever. You need to stay out in the car. And I looked in the car next to me, and this girl was like going nuts. And I rolled, and she was so happy. This girl was so happy. I was like, what, the f- what is she listening to? I rolled down the window of my aunt's car, and it was She's So Cold. She was singing along, and her hair was flying, and she was so happy. She, she was going nuts to the song. She was almost coming. You know, that's what it looked like. And when my aunt came back to the car, I'm like, what, that, what is that? And she's like, that's the Stones. That's, she's so cold. So I got some girls, and I got, that's how I started my journey into the Stones. Fucking went nuts. Anyhow, so I'm in Virginia Beach. FM 99 is having a contest the 1981 Rolling Stones Tattoo You tour was starting. And tickets were sold out in a fucking second. You know they were. Okay? You know. Forget it. So, plus I was broke as fuck and my dad's not getting... <laughs> okay, this is another thing I forgot to tell you. Um, I told you my parents, my mom and dad, used to drag me to concerts all the time, right? Okay, well, guess what? When they divorced, because of Lois Beebe the whore, um, and my mom dragged me to Dover, my dad was in Newport, the concert thing kind of stopped, and they didn't want to fund my addiction anymore. You know, because I used to go to concerts every week. I'd be like, I'm going, I'm going to see Jethro Tull, you're not fucking stopping me, I'm going to see Pat Benatar, I'm going to fucking, you know, I went to every fucking concert. Um, so... I had to start figuring out ways to get into the concerts. How how can I get into the concerts without money? Dad's not paying because he's got a new baby with Allison. And, you know, Allison wants, obviously, she's the new woman. She's going to want all the money for her and her kid. And not for me, leftover baggage from the first marriage. You know what I mean? Like, you you have to be frugal when you have a family, don't you? I get it now, but nothing was stopping me back then. I'm like, if I have to fucking sell weed and steal clothes, whatever, I'm I'm gonna go see the stones. Nothing's gonna stop me. FM ninety nine had a contest. They were like, we're giving away tickets. It was like fifty tickets. We're giving away fifty tickets to go on a party bus from. Hampton, Hampton, Virginia to uh, the Capitol Center in Maryland. So it was a long trip. It was a, a party bus to go see the Stones. I think it was their first stop on the tour. Okay, pretty sure. I'll have to go back and look. You're probably Googling it right now. Whatever. So this is the thing. If you, they were having trivia contests, Rolling Stones trivia questions, right? So my dad would tell me to go to bed 
I wouldn't, I would not go to bed. I would, they would go to bed. I'd sneak down the stairs. Meh. I'm not going to apologize for burping, so if that's what you're hoping, not going to happen. I'd sneak down the stairs. The fucking telephone was attached to the wall. Remember those telephones with the, the curly fucking cords on them? Yeah, not portable phones back then, people. This shit was attached to the wall. So I'd have to take the phone off the hook, sneak into the living room, hide under a blanket so I don't wake up my fucking stepmom and my dad. And I'd wait. I'd listen to the radio. I'd be under a blanket listening to the radio. I'm like age 14, okay? Listening to the radio. FM 99, okay? Sometime this hour, we're going to have another, you know, we're going to have a trivia question. You too could win. You know, you could, if you win, we're going to put your name in a basket with like 50,000 other names and we're going to draw out 50 people at the end. You could win your chance to go on the party bus with FM 99 to go see the Rolling Stones, blah, 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 blah. right? I mean, think about that. I'm, I told my dad, I'm like, I'm going to win. He's like, just stop. You're not. You're not. The chances are so slim. Don't get your hopes up. You're not going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to. I know everything about stones, okay? I'm fucking studying the stones more than school. All right? All their lyrics, everything, every book I could get my hands on. I'm studying the stones. So, you have to be calling number three, by the way. Yeah? So, they say, as soon as you hear a stone song, if you're caller number three, we're going to give you a, tri- a trivia question. And that gives you the chance to be in the lottery to try to win tickets, okay? So I'm all night long. I'm waiting for stone songs to come on. And I, I wasn't, I was never caller number three. It sucked. The phone would be busy. The lines would be busy. You'd be caller number one or you'd be caller number 10, whatever. It was so hard to get through, okay? So one night. I wasn't going to give up, though. I was up all night. We're talking 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. I didn't give a fuck about school. I was like, I'm going to school, but I'll go, I'll go tired because I'm going to win this shit. All right? I don't care. I was, the phone, okay, they played a Stone song. The second you hear a Stone song play, you had to dial the number and hope to be caller number three. They played a Stone song. Can't remember which one it was. Probably start me up or something I was calling number three I'm like he's like hey this is DJ so-and-so you're calling number three I'm like he's like okay calm down okay all right you have 15 seconds to answer this question are you ready I'm like yes 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 (laughs) this is the question are you ready I'm not kidding what is Mick Jagger's parents first names boom Joe and Eva he's like Oh my God, how the hell did you know that? (laughs) I knew it. I already knew it. I fucking know. Joe and Eva. He's like, all right, what's your name? I'm like, Dot. Dorothy. Is it Dot or Dorothy? Okay, it's Dorothy. Okay, Dorothy, what's your last name? Jagger. Is it really? No, okay, it's not. It's Lechner. Dorothy Lechner. Okay, are you 18? Are you, you have to be 18 or older to join this contest. Yes, I'm 18. No problem. Yep, I'm 18. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, we're going to put your name in a basket with 50,000 other names. And if we pick you, 
you could be the winner of the party bus trip to see the stones. We will call you if you win. Okay. I was so fucking excited. I couldn't even sleep. I was dancing all day at school. I was like, I'm going to go see the stones. I'm going to go see the stones. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, sure you are. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, stop. You're building yourself up. You're going to fall. You know, the higher you build this thing up, the harder you're going to fall. I don't want to see you, you know, be disappointed. No, no, no. I'm going to win. We're going. We're going. I'm, I'm winning. I'm winning. Don't worry about it. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> and in between that time and the time they called me, there was another contest going on. This this is the craziest thing. This is probably one of the craziest things I've ever done. Another embarrassing thing. FM99 was having a local contest as well for their Hampton Coliseum show they were this is the thing whoever had the most unique stones banner like a sign that says I love the Rolling Stones I want to go see the Rolling Stone whoever had the most unique one could also enter a contest to win tickets to see them in Hampton <laughs> I made a big ass sign put it in my front yard I lived on a dead Romney Lane is a dead end I had it in the front yard, said FM 99 Rolling Stones. I draw, I drew a big Rolling Stone tongue and sign with tin foil and all the shit markers and everything. It was like a big sign, very creative. But I thought to myself, no one's going to see it on this dead, dead end road. You know, and I don't have money to put it on a highway or something. How is anyone going to see? I fucking called. This is so embarrassing. I can't even believe I did this. Uh, I called the police and the fire department and said, I think there's a fire on my street. Thinking that if the police and the fire department are coming, then the press is going to come and they're going to see my sign and say, wow, this is the most amazing Rolling Stones banner we've ever seen and take pictures of it and I would win. I'm not kidding. I did that. That's so fucking lame. But I did it. Anyways, back to the other contest. Come home from school one day, I think four weeks later, three, no, maybe three weeks, I don't know. It's hard to, to gauge, maybe even two weeks. Anyways, I come home from school. My dad answered the phone. I was upstairs in my bedroom, probably listening to Alice Cooper's Flush the Fashion, which I did sit-ups and push-ups to every day after school. I love that album. Inside and out. It's called Flush the Fashion. Alice Cooper can't even believe that that's my favorite album. He's like, really? He's like, no one ever says that. I'm like, yeah, that's my favorite album of yours. I love it. Anyhow, my dad calls me downstairs. Telephone for you. And when you're a teenager and your parents say the telephone's for you, you fucking trot down there like, you know. I'm like, hello. And they're like, hi, is this uh, Dorothy Lechner? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, this is so-and-so from FM 99. You won ticket to go see the Rolling Stones. I fucking screamed so loud. I threw the phone down and was dancing around the house. My dad's like, wait, 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 wait. They're still on the phone. <laughs> I was so happy. I, like, you cannot even imagine. 
I was so fucking happy. And my dad took down all the information because I was just too ecstatic to even talk anymore on the phone. And he's like, okay, this is the deal. He says, I don't know if it's going to work because you have to be 18. I'm a, I will dress 18. I will fuck. I am, will be 18. Don't you worry. So I wore high heel boots and tight jeans and a little turquoise, very little turquoise uh, shirt. My dad did not approve, by the way. He's like, eh. and guess what? I was like, I'm bringing you. He's like, yeah, okay, all right. I brought my dad because it's you plus one. So me and my dad, oh, I'm so can you imagine the gloating I did at school the next day, by the way? The fucking gloating. Yeah, because they were all doubting me. Ah, you're never going to win. Yeah, okay, motherfuckers. I'm going on the party bus to see the Stones for free. And you're not. Who's going to the Stones? Me. Who's not? You. Okay. So, (laughs) my dad and I drive to the meeting point for the party bus was at some hotel. I think it was like a Four Seasons or a Ritz. It was a fancy hotel in Hampton, Virginia. That was the meeting point where everyone, all the fans have to come to gather to get on the party bus. So we're in the hotel lobby. I'm like, Dad, that is Al Franken. Because my, my dad used to watch Saturday Night Live every Saturday and you know, smoke a doobie and watch Saturday Night Live, right? I recognize Al Franken. So I'm like, I had this, the gayest autograph book, by the way. It's pink. It was um, light pink and white checkered with Holly Hobby on it. And all the pages in the autograph book were light pink. So gay. So I have this little autograph book on me and a pen. And I'm like, oh my God, Dad, that's Al Franken. And he's like, really, really? I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, hey, you're, I know who you are. And he goes, who, me, Al Franken? I go, yes, because that was what Al Franken always said on Saturday Night Live, if you you remember. He's like, me, Al Franken. He would always say that. I'm like, oh my God, I know who you are. And he's like, who, me, Al Franken? And we're laughing our asses off. And he signed me the autograph that says, two dot Jagger love Al Franken. Actually, I, I have to get that out because um, I'm curious to see exactly what he said, but I have it. And he drew a little Rolling Stones tongue. He drew the Stones logo because he knew I was so happy to go see the Stones. He was so nice to me. Everyone was like complaining about him a few years ago. And I think that's really sad because I love Al Franken. He was fucking funny as hell. He was nice to me. So uh, I'm I'm on my computer now. I'm looking for my Al Franken. Al Franken autograph. Where is it? Hmm. Sometimes I didn't have it scanned shit in yet. Where's my Al Franken? Al Franken autograph. I have it. It's somewhere. Hmm. Anyways, that was okay. We get on the we get on the tour bus. On it's actually like a it looks like a Greyhound, but they call it the party bus. And um, I'm the youngest one on there, as you can imagine. I'm definitely. Oh, jeez. Let me... I'll tell you how old I was. 
Mm-hmm. Minus 19. Wait, no. Oh, jeez. Here I am, like, trying to figure out how old he was. Minus 11. I was 14. I was 14. Okay. So I'm 14. And I could not sit still. And remember back then they did not enforce the whole seatbelt thing very much either. People were smoking on the bus and I was dancing and running up and down the aisles the whole time of the bus. Everyone was in a party mood, by the way. Everyone was fucking drinking and raising hell. They were so happy playing Stones music. And um, I was like, I bet you they're going to play Under My Thumb first. And they're like, ah, I don't know about that. How do you, How are you so sure? I'm like, I'm sure. I know it. And please, I hate to keep saying this, but you need to remember there was no internet back then, okay? I'm like, I bet you they're going to open with under my thumb. And I'm telling you something. I'm going to get their autographs. I'm going to meet the Stones. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to calm down. I'm like, my dad's like, yeah, you shouldn't really doubt her because she does get what she wants. It's freak, freakishly true. I'm like, I'm going to get the Stones autographs. They're like, yeah, yeah, you need to settle down. You're not going to meet the Stones. It's impossible. You're not going to get autographs. Forget it. And, and everyone was trying to say that they're going to open with like brown sugar and stuff. Okay. So we get in. My dad sits. We're in our seats. I'm like, Dad, sorry. I need to try to go meet the Stones. I need to try to get autographs. You need to sit here. And there's no cell phones. There's no pagers back then. My dad's like, all right, that's cool. I'll sit here. kind of feel bad now that I left him alone for a while, but... I went right to the front of the stage, and this is before the show. You know, everyone's getting in, sitting down, they're playing music, people are bouncing balloons around around and stuff. So I go up to the front of the stage, to the right side of the stage. If you're looking at the stage, to the right of the stage. And I'm like, 14, cute, with a little Holly Hobby autograph book. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm asking security guys, can you can you come here, talk to me, come here. Hey. Like, what do you want, what do you want? I'm like, Oh, can you just please bring my autograph book backstage? And I really want the Stones autograph. Come on, please. It'll mean so much to me. He's like, oh, all right, I'll try to ask. I'll ask. I'll ask. So that one asked that one, and that one asked that one. Finally, an older guy comes out, and he's like, oh, so you want the Stones autograph, student? Who, you know? And um, turns out the guy was named Alan Dunn. And he was Mick's personal manager and the Stones logistics manager. And uh, so he's like, all right, cutie, cutie, you're cute. I'll see what I can do. All right. So I just waited and waited and I was all excited and happy. Fifteen minutes later, he comes back. I got everybody's autograph. I got Bill Wyman, Mick Jagger, Ron Wood, Keith, and Mick. Actually, I think I even got Ian Stewart. Let me go look, because I have them hanging right here on the wall. I still have the autographs from that day. Oh, I know autographs don't mean much anymore, but back then, selfies weren't... Oh, yeah, Ian Stewart, two-dot Ian Stewart, love-to-dot Bill Wyman, two-dot Mick Jagger, stones-to-dot Charlie Watts. So I guess I did not get Keith that day. I got Ian Stewart... Bill Wyman, Mick Jagger, and Charlie Watts. That's... I was fucking ecstatic. 
I went sat next to my dad and we jammed the whole time. We enjoyed the show so much. And of course, the gloating resumed when I got on the bus. I'm dancing up and down. I go, what song did they play first? Under my thumb. Who got the Stones autographs? You did. Thank you. (laughs) Freaking out of control. But you know what? You know how really young people say, I'm going to do this and nothing's going to stop me. And sometimes it happens. Well, that's what positive thinking does. And as you get older and you experience rejection or disappointment, uh, real reality takes over and we stop hoping and thinking positively, don't we? But when you're 14, 15, you're like, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to do this and that. Sometimes that positive thinking manifests into real shit happening. You know, I was such a positive thinker. I mean, I still am really that what I put my mind to, I got done. And I'm not talking about a material item. I don't think that works with like, oh, I want that watch. I'm definitely going to get that watch. No, no, no. It doesn't work with items. It works with things you want to accomplish. And I was like, I am going to get, well, I didn't meet the stones that day. Okay. I was like, I'm going to get the stones autographs. I'm going to win the tickets. And it happened. I made it happen. So you can't always get what you want. But sometimes you get what you need. And I needed that shit. Um, So 37 minutes in, I just want to tell you one other thing. And then I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I'm still on a stones roll here, okay? Like, even more so now than ever. Yeah, I did the stones play, dressing as Mick Jagger at school. I called myself Dot Jagger. I got to see the stones for free. I was out of control. So now I'm in the 10th grade, right? And all over the school, I would take, which looked like a very fat white Sharpie, but it wasn't, it was like kind of gooey stuff, a permanent marker, but it was made of gooey stuff that you couldn't get off. Hardly could not get it off. I would draw stones, tongues all over Bayside High School all over the doors that would separate one hallway from the next. People were getting pissed, and they didn't know who was doing it, but it was me. I mean, they probably had a hunch because I called myself Dot Jagger and wore Rolling Stones pins every day to school. But I was also going to other concerts as well. I was going to see Def Leppard and uh, got to meet them, and that's how all that shit started. But that was after... um, the second Stones show that I saw in Hampton, Virginia. Remember how I told you I was trying to win tickets with that banner, but I did not win them. However, I had so many Ticketron ticket stubs because I'd been to so many concerts already by age 14 that I had a whole drawer full of Ticketron tickets. Tom Petty, Moody Blues... Um, my dad brought me to see Jay Giles. Me and my stepmom and my dad went and saw Jay Giles. I had a whole drawer full of rainbow-colored Ticketron tickets, okay? So I was still jonesing for my friends in Rhode Island and the guy I was dating, Jerry, Jerry Sleeper, who didn't seem to really miss me as much as I missed him. But, you know, that's how guys are, out of sight, out of mind. I, but I would still... This is another 
criminal thing I was doing. What a fucking criminal I was at age 14. What the fuck? Um, well, actually, I think a lot of people break rules when they're 14. So I would go to pay phones because I couldn't call for my house. I was dying to talk to my friends in Newport. I missed them all so much that I would, um, and it, I remember, well, maybe you don't remember, but back then to call long distance, I mean, to call from like Virginia to, to, to Newport, it wasn't just like it is now. Now you can call anyone in America and it's, it, it doesn't cost anything. But back then, if you tried to call from one state to another state, it cost money and it cost a lot of money actually. But I missed my dear friends so badly, and I just couldn't meet people as cool as nobody could compare to the people from from Newport. I mean, in Virginia Beach, they were listening to the fucking Go-Go's, and they were listening to the police. Everyone was into the police, synchronicity, and the Go-Go's, and uh, I don't even know. They were listening to shitty music. So I would... I would Missing my friends. I would call them all the time. But I was doing it illegally. Sorry, I'm actually peeing while I'm doing this. I know it's rude, but... <sighs> okay. So I would go to the payphones and call all of my friends and charge it to other numbers. I'd say, oh yeah, I'm calling such and such a number, but I'm charging it to such and such a number. That shit wouldn't fly nowadays, obviously. And now there's not even payphones anymore, right? So so I would do it after school. On my way home from school, I would just call all my friends and talk to them. I never thought I'd get caught. Oh, one day I come home from school. This is after I brought my dad to see the Stones on the party bus, but before the Hampton, Virginia Stones show. I come home from school. My dad's wicked pissed off. So is my stepmom. They're 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 like they're like we have a we want to talk to you. We're, we're really mad at you. I'm like what what happened? You're gonna they were yelling. You're gonna be on restriction for a month. You're not allowed to use the phone. Uh, we got a phone bill. You know, the telephone people called. Um, apparently, they tracked me down somehow. Oh, I think one of my friends in Newport or someone who I thought was my friend ratted me out. That's who it was. They probably called them and said, who is this person calling you all the time? And they said, oh, it's, uh, you know, Dot Jagger, whatever. So they, they found me out and the phone bill was like $300. And that's a lot of money back then. My dad was wicked pissed. He's like, you are on restriction for a month. That means no friends over, you're not going anywhere, no fucking phone calls, nothing. I was I was like, but dad, you can't do that because the Stones are playing December eighteenth and nineteenth, nineteen eighty one. You I he's like, Nope. And I was I was hysterical. I was like, you know when you're crying so hard that you go <laughs> you can't breathe, right? I was I couldn't even breathe. I was like, I'm gonna die. You cannot keep me in the house. I have to see this. Nope, 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 nope. So I <laughs> jumped out of the second story window. It wasn't that high, but like my room was on the second floor. I jumped out after school and I had in tow 
I took a Tom Petty ticket stub and a Moody Blues ticket stub and taped them together very, very carefully. And I hitchhiked to the gig. And once again, I got lucky. People that I went to school with and their older brother and sister picked me up. And they're like, oh, what are you doing out here? What are you? I'm like, I'm going to the stones. Like, we are too. Fucking thank God. Yeah, people that I know picked me up. And when we went in, I looked the guy in the eye. This is before they were scanning tickets, by the way. I looked him in the eye and smiled. And he wasn't paying attention to my ticket. He was just like looking at me because I was flirting. And he ripped my ticket in half. And I got in. I was fucking so psyched. I went to the payphone like a good girl. (laughs) A good bad girl. Yeah, because that's what I am. A good bad girl. I go to the payphone. I call my dad. He's like, what? What? How are you calling me? Where are you? Aren't you? I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not in my room. I'm inside the Stones show. And you know what? He couldn't even be mad at me. He's like, I don't, I don't know how you got in there. I'll let it slide. I was like, I'm already here. So what are you going to do? He, he did not punish me further. He was probably just amazed. I mean, what's he going to do? Get in his car and drive? You know, my dad wasn't like that. My dad was like, all right, all right, you fucking, damn. <laughs> and I did it the next night too. Oh, yes, I did. I got in two nights in a row. I didn't have to jump out the window and hitchhike the next night. I'm like, you're not stopping me. So this is going to have to be a furlough. And my dad drove me the next day. And I got in. Not him, me. And the funny thing is, on December 18th, the first show, I was with two, I mean, two people I went to school with. One of them's name is Louis Holtz, H-O-L-Z. And the other one's name is Willie. And he had, he looked, kind of looked like Edgar Winter, but like shoulder length hair, like almost in a bob. And I sat in between them. And we were... Um, on the upper, no, not ground level of the stage, but the next level up, the next tier up. And the stone stage had like these long platforms, almost like runways. So there was a stage and on both sides of the stage, giant runways so that Mick could run on either side of the Hampton Coliseum. So his platform was almost the same level as the first upper tier where we were sitting. So Mick would run down the platform and I could almost, I mean, I was dreaming. I could almost reach out and touch him. And Louie got so excited. The kid I went to school with, I couldn't fucking, this is, this is documented by the way. The Rolling Stones have a, VHS tape out or DVD, it's probably a DVD now, called Rewind, because Bill Wyman is the the stone that um, takes care of all the footage and the film footage, you know, he's he documented everything. So Bill put out a, a VHS tape called Rewind, and on it, <laughs> in that video, you can see 
my friend Louie, he fucking got so excited. This is how close we were to the platform, the runway that Mick was on. During Jumping Jack Flash, I, he didn't even tell me and Willie that he was going to do this. He didn't say, hey, I'm going to jump. He just stood up on the edge of the tier and jumped down onto Mick's uh, runway. Mick wasn't on the runway at the time. Mick was actually on the stage. And tons of balloons were coming down because it was like the encore, Trumpet Jack Flash. Louis jumped onto the platform, ran down the long runway really fast. It happened so quickly and ran across the stage. Apparently, he had his mind set on getting Mick's straw hat off of the piano because Mick had been wearing a straw hat during some numbers of the show and he put it on the piano. I didn't know this was going to happen. He just did this. However, Mick's, uh, Keith, Keith saw Louis coming at him. I mean, he didn't know that Louis, where Louis was going. He just like saw a stranger running on stage. Keith fucking clocked him in the fucking head with his, with the end of his guitar. He, he hit him and then, but Louis didn't stop. He kept running up to the piano, grabbed the straw hat and was running back again across the stage to come back to us, I guess. And Keith hit him again. <laughs> Keith hit him a second time. And he never made it back to us. They they apprehended him. And we were like, what the fuck? And he uh, didn't get arrested, but they held him for many hours. He got in trouble. I think, I don't know if he got a fine or what. But he fucking brought that hat. They didn't take the hat from him. I guess they didn't know. I don't know. But Louis brought the hat to school the next day. I was like, oh my God. He's like, I'm selling it. I'm like, fuck, $500. I'm like, oh, I can't. I mean, it's always already in the hole 300 with my dad and the phone bill. But he fucking had the hat and he wanted to sell it. And he showed me the inside of the hat and it had mixed makeup on it, sweat and stuff. I mean, I wouldn't give a shit now, but back then I was like, ah. Oh. So, and you know what? The funny thing is, I'm still friends with Louis Holt's mom on Facebook. It's so funny. I, Louis's not on Facebook, but his mom and a lot of other people from Virginia Beach, they find me on Facebook, which is a challenge because Facebook keeps fucking deleting me. So they have to keep hunting me down and adding me again. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so that was that stone show that was absolutely amazing and um so uh after that just want to say one thing after the stones i mean i was hanging out with two sisters named elaine and elise schultz german last name schultz s-c-h-u-l-z schultz they lived with their grandma and grandpa because apparently their parents died in a car accident. So they lived with their grandma. They were obsessed with Def Leppard. They were, uh, they quit. This is when MTV just started. And they would play Def Leppard videos, you know, photograph and this and that. Those girls were so obsessed with Def Leppard, they quit school so that they could stay home and they didn't want to miss seeing Def Leppard videos on MTV. I'm like, that is so stupid. I had not met any rock stars at this point. The Cars played. 
at the Hampton Coliseum. I think it was Hampton Coliseum. Or was it, or maybe it was in uh, Williamsburg. Huh. Yeah, maybe it was Williamsburg. Yeah, a friend of mine drove me to Williamsburg and I saw the cars. After the cars show, I went to the back of the stage to try to meet them. I love the cars. Who doesn't love the cars? Fucking cars are great. I wanted to meet the cars because I love their music. I love their lyrics. I mean, they're not the most intelligent lyrics, but they're great. I wanted to meet the cars. However, everybody else wanted to meet the cars too. So it was very busy at the back of the Coliseum. And it was still light out, actually. It was was just, the sun was just setting. I don't know why. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I got Rico Kasich to sign my jean jacket and I wanted to talk to him and talk to them, but they were in a hurry. They were being whisked away to go on their tour bus. And I was like, right then, I was like, you know what? There's got to be a different way to meet the people who write the songs that I love so much. This is this is wrong. If I'm going to try to meet them after the show and everybody else is, then this is not right. I'm never going to be able to massage them. I'm not going to be able to say, hey, do you want a back massage? They're leaving, you know. So, uh, let me look at the clock, see how much time we got back on this fucking gab fest. Oh, 53. Okay, I have to, I have to wind this up really quick, okay. So, these two girls, I was like, you guys got to go back to school. They're like, no, no, we don't want to go to school. We want to stay home and watch fucking Def Leppard videos. Def Leppard was coming to the Hampton Coliseum. And I thought, okay, we're not going to meet them if we go after the show. I've already learned my lesson with the cars. We have to go during the daytime, during sound check. Okay, so we skipped school. I told my parents, my dad and my stepmom, that I'm going to school. I wore a boring-ass T-shirt, but underneath I had this really sexy silver shirt on and tight jeans because I was like, I have to look older. I'm not going to take it seriously. And um, Elaine and Elise had their grandma and grandpa wrapped around their fingers. They drove us to the Hampton Coliseum. And it was like 1 p.m., maybe noon. We drove into the parking lot. Of course, there's nobody there because it's daytime. And we saw Phil Collin walking in the parking lot towards the car. And we were like, yeah, fucking stop the car. We made the grandparents stop the car. And we got out. We never, I, the grandparents left. We're like, see ya. We, we stood there with Phil Collins and took pictures. Me and Elise with Phil and Elaine with Phil and me and Elaine. We took all, every kind of combination. And he said, um, do you ladies know where there's a, local um army navy surplus store we're like um yeah in virginia beach why well someone nicked our gear at the last stop so apparently the show before hampton someone took a lot a lot of their suitcases and stole them so they needed parachute pants and shit because that's the kind of clothes they were wearing for that tour so we took phil collins clothes shopping it's fucking great. So we're like best friends by the end of the day. Got in free, massaged them, and all that other stuff. So that's how that whole thing started. I mean, actually meeting rock stars and massaging them started with Def Leppard. Um, if you go to YouTube and type in Dr. Dot VH1, you know, like the competitor to MTV VH1, you'll see that I mentioned... Um, the whole Def Leppard thing in that video. It was, 
I, I mean, I don't have enough time now to go into the whole Deaf Leopard story, but the next time I um, pick up another part of the book, we'll start with Deaf Leopard, okay? Because we're only allowed to do 60-minute podcast, apparently, and uh, we're already at 56 minutes, and um, I need to shut up and go to bed. So I hope you're liking uh, the bullshit up till now. I'd appreciate your comments. And um, I did set up a WhatsApp account just for advice and comments about my podcasts. That number on WhatsApp is, let me see, 201-705-2183. So if you have WhatsApp, you can message me on 201-705-2183 and let me know what you think, okay? I will catch you next time. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. So as with movies, sometimes books also go back and have little flashbacks. So here I am adding to book part two. Back in Virginia Beach when I was hmm, turning 14 and yeah, 13, 14 and then almost 15 those years. So going back to when the first band I ever met was the group called the Cars. Yeah, I didn't get to say enough about that earlier on in this podcast. The first band I ever met was the Cars. It wasn't the first concert I'd been to because my parents had dragged me to a lot of concerts. In fact, from what I'm told, the first concert I ever saw, I was two years old. It was a a female singer called Melanie. I think she sings a song about roller skates. I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. Something like that. Plus they dragged me to see Frank Zappa and the Grateful Dead. All before the age of 13. I've seen, I saw Zappa quite a few times. And the Grateful Dead. And so on and so on. When I lived in Newport, Rhode Island, I saw Jethro Tull, Blue Easter Cole, Black Sabbath, Ted Nugent, Pat Benatar, and then we moved to Virginia Beach. So here we are back at the Cars. Scroll back when I said I met the Cars. The Cars concert was March 21st, 1982 at the William and Mary Hall in Williamsburg, Virginia. So I saw the Cars and with a, I think, um, a grunt, as you would call them. I met a grunt when I was playing Janet <laughs> every Friday and Saturday night at the Pembroke Mall. I think it was the Pembroke Mall in Virginia Beach. Um, I performed the Rocky Horror Picture Show along with a cast. I was way too young. They didn't know how old I was. Pretty sure I was 14 at the time. And I played Janet. I had the role of Janet, and it was the midnight show every Friday and Saturday. And I had to fight tooth and nail to get my dad to give me permission to do this because it was so late. It was called the Midnight Showcase or something. And to be honest, they did not buy me the feather boas and uh, suspenders and stockings and high heels and all that other shit I needed to be Janet from Rocky Horror Picture Show. And here I am confessing to you again 
I was a little bit of a thief. I would go into the mall and I would steal the shit. Yeah. And that's what happens when you come from a poor family, a frugal family. You end up, um, yeah, stealing. So I would steal. I would steal what I needed. I'm ashamed of it. I don't steal anymore, obviously, but I did when I was a little girl. So I had the kick-ass suspenders. I'm 14 years old. I had to have a bra, suspenders, stockings, high heels, feather boa. And Janet had a couple different dresses in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. She had a lavender-colored one, and she had a pink one for the wedding scene. So anyways, I had the whole gear, and I did it every Friday and Saturday for probably a year. So I've seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show countless times, okay? I know every word to the fucking movie. Um, Where am I going with this? Oh, yeah, my mom suddenly moved from New Hampshire down to Virginia Beach to be closer to me and my brother and sister, and she was out of her fucking mind trying to seduce my dad when he was happily married to my stepmom. She, she was like came to the house and met him in the garage and was trying to seduce him. And he's like, you need to fuck right off. So I remember that. My mom was crazy. And she gave me the money to get a perm because I needed curly, wavy hair to look like Janet. However, the perm went wrong and I had fucking an afro pretty much. It was I was horrified and I had to blow dry it all the time. To, oh, it was just a nightmare. Um, so anyways... At the mall, playing Janet, I met a lot of older men. I didn't look 14. My boobs weren't fully there yet, but they were definitely a full B cup getting toward the C. You know, they were growing. And um, I met this older guy, a squatty, oh, you know, um, some, a guy in the Navy, whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, if you never need to be driven anywhere, I'll drive you. He was kind of nerdy, and I trusted him, whatever. So he brought me to see the cars. I wanted to meet the cars. I desperately wanted to meet Ben Orr and Rick Ocasek and everything. I just loved the cars so much. They meant so much to me when I was younger living in Newport, Rhode Island. We're talking like 19, let's see, 1980. I was already listening to the cars. Like I was obsessed with the cars. Um, I just found... The Cars and Queen, by the way, I was just really into them when I lived on 59 Ranger Road in Newport, Rhode Island. There was a neighbor three doors down named Peter Grenier or something. He got me really into the Cars and Queen. And I just loved them. I wanted to meet them. After the show, it was still light out. I don't know. They obviously, it got out pretty early. Or maybe it was just a lot of lights in the back of the Coliseum, whatever, the concert hall. And they came out. And I was like, hey, 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 hi. Um, you know, you guys ever would like a massage or whatever? And I, obviously I look so young, but they're like, oh, we, we're in a hurry, love. We're in a hurry. Um, and all I got was a fucking autograph on my jean jacket. I have no idea where the jean jacket is. By the way, I'm pretty sure the cars opened for Nick Lowe or vice versa. So maybe the reason why the cars, um got out early and it was still light out because I remember it being light out. Maybe they opened for Nick Lowe and they were leaving. I didn't care about Nick Lowe. I do, I'm pretty sure Nick Lowe sings that song, Cruel to be Kind. 
I don't know. I was there for the cars, wanted to meet them. I met them not long enough. They were in a hurry running through their tour bus. They signed my jean jacket. And I was like, this is not the way it's got to be. I don't want to just meet them for five seconds. I don't want to be a normal fan. I want to know these people. I want to heal them. I want to massage them. Um, I want them to love me because I love them. You know? So, yeah, I wanted to add that in to this chapter, part two. I can't call it a chapter. This is book part two. I want that to be inserted in the conversation about the cars. They've really meant a lot to me. Their music is just divine, okay? I love them. And it wasn't enough. So then, you know, the Def Leppard thing happened. And I'm going to move on now to book part three. But before I do that, I wanted to come clean with you and tell you what was going on in my life at that time. So I was in the ninth grade in Virginia Beach. Actually, I showed up late in the school year because we had moved from Virginia Be- uh, from Newport, Rhode Island. So I was in the ninth grade. I started it at Rogers High School in Newport, Rhode Island, and I was devastated to leave Newport, Rhode Island and move to Virginia, where I started out at Bayside Junior High. And then I went to Bayside High for the 10th grade. And then after the 10th grade, I said, fuck this. And I moved back to Connecticut. However, let's talk about Virginia Beach. When I moved there from Newport, Rhode Island, I had a different way of dressing. I was dressing just like all the rest of the girls in Newport, Rhode Island at the time. They wore 501 Levi's jeans or Madewell jeans, Madewell pants. The girls who wanted to look more feminine would wear Madewell and the tomboys would wear 501 Levi's jeans. They had to be red tag 501 Levi's jeans. And we wore Timberland boots, the girls. We wore Timberland boots, usually a chamois shirt or a flannel shirt. But to make it more feminine, we wore sterling silver thin necklaces. And that's just the way we, we, we dressed. That's how it was. That was the fashion. It was kind of like a, um, conf- I don't know, I would say <laughs> the kind of girl you want to bring camping, practical, um, definitely not flashy, not overly feminine, just chilling. And um, so I moved to Virginia Beach dressing like that. And went to school, and I didn't fit in at all. I mean, this this was not the first time, by the way, because if you've been paying attention, I moved a lot. So I showed up, and all the girls are dressed very feminine. They have curls and makeup and skirts and little heels and flowery stuff and um, lots of mini skirts, lots of tan skin, boobs, bleached hair, beach, beach attire checkered vans, you know, mini skirts that had a zipper on the side. Like if you've seen the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High and you, you, or you think of the song Valley Girl from Frank Zappa, the way the girls dressed in their early 80s, the surfer girls. So I went from, I don't know, fucking lumberjack girl, 
New England girls dressed in flannel shirts and jeans and Timberland boots. That's just the way we dressed. And then I moved to Beachtown, Virginia Beach, and I didn't fit in. And I was walking around with a buck knife. I thought I was so fucking cool. I had a buck knife in my pocket at all times. Tough girl from out of town. Didn't want to get fucked with. Got I did get beat up all the time, though, from the girls. They were like, who the fuck are you? And they would wait. They didn't want to beat me up on the school ground, so they would wait like a couple blocks away from the school. And on my way home, they would jump me and beat me up. Whatever, you fucking bitches. <sighs> um, it just makes you tougher and tougher, you know? And if you tattletailed, you'd get it worse the next day. So I eventually I stood up for myself. I had to, and just like, fuck you. Like, literally, fuck you. And there's that. But eventually I started to blend in and, you know, I did the Janet thing at the mall, Janet from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I started to, you know, learn how to dress more feminine and I was jogging every day, getting super fucking fit and tanning, a lot of tanning. And I would walk up and down the, um, the main drag there next to the beach in Virginia Beach, cannot remember the name of it, but it's the beachfront fucking street. And that's where all the girls go and show off their bodies. So Here's me like 14 wearing pretty much just a bikini parading around showing off my fucking body. And um, I was promiscuous. Never, not with the rock stars. No, 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 no. Just, I had a huge appetite and um, I was, I think I was hanging out with these two brothers. There were, one was in the Air Force and I can't remember. No, one was studying to be a pilot, Lance and Mark. And they couldn't decide which one wanted me. I couldn't decide which one I wanted. So I was, I was sleeping with two different brothers. <laughs> I don't know how they tolerated it, but, you know, I was not going without. And I'm not even 15 yet. Naughty, 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 naughty girl. They were gorgeous, gorgeous. So I was not a virgin at that time. Naughty. I think about it, like 14. But then again, back then people didn't say, hey, how old are you? I don't want to get in trouble. It wasn't a thing back then. And I didn't feel 14. I didn't look 14. I didn't act 14. And even what that was even happening when I was 13, before I turned 14. So parents didn't know anything. They were busy with my brother and sister and stepbrother and all that other shit. They just... I slipped through the cracks all the time. And um, so now I'm going to stop this here and pick up on book part three. So I will see you on book part three. I also used to ride around at night after school on my bicycle and I had a little micro cassette recorder. Probably stole it from the mall. Little thieving fuck I was. Because um, my dad was frugal and my mom didn't have any money. So what I needed, I took. Yeah. Just like that song from Van Halen, Running with the Devil. All I got, I had to steal. At least I don't need to beg or borrow. Yeah. Anyhow, I would drive around at night listening to the Stones and Alice Cooper on my micro cassette recorder.
So I would play the records in my bedroom while I'm doing sit-ups, push-ups, leg lifts, and I would put the micro-cassette recorder next to the record player, and I would record the Rolling Stones album, It's Only Rock and Roll, Made in the Shade, um, Black and Blue, all those great albums, and I would record them onto the micro-cassette recorders, and I would just drive around on my bike, usually showing off, driving no hands, and listening to the Stones. I mean, there was no Walkmans, really, around. It was hard to find a Walkman, whatever. So I just listened to the music all the time. That was, my best friend was music. You know, I really didn't have a best buddy. I mean, my next door neighbor, Mary, what was her last name? Mary, she was, comes from an Irish family. Shitloads of kids in that family. She called herself Fifi. Anyways, her boyfriend really, really, really wanted me, so our friendship ended. Um, so I was a, a loner baby, and I went to loads of concerts. Loads of concerts. I mean, my dad and my stepmom brought me to see Jay Giles. Also, I was like almost age 14, and I was front, front row, and... Virginia Beach is packed with soldiers, like sailors and stuff. And my dad and my stepmom was standing a couple rows behind me. There was there was no seating. It was just standing room only. And there was a, a squatty behind me, like grinding into my ass. And I couldn't move because I was crushed up against the, the barrier in the front. I was like, ah, I'm, you know, I'm like 13 or 14. I'm still looking good. But the guy was grinding into me and I could barely breathe anymore. My dad grabbed that guy by the back of his fucking shirt and kicked the shit out of him right there in the concert. It was awesome. My dad kicked his ass. All right. It was awesome. My, my dad and my stepmom brought me to a lot of concerts. It was really cool. I just remember that. I'm going to keep coming back with these flashbacks, by the way. It might be confusing for you, but this is the book and this is the only way I can do it. I don't have time to sit down and write. Just coming up with these memories of stuff that happened in Virginia Beach. I also remember... <laughs> I think back, I'm in the ninth grade. I was already doing karaoke before karaoke was a thing. There was a arcade where you go and you play pinball and video games, like a little, a little shop or whatever. It was called Replay, and that's where teenagers would go at night. You know, after school, we would go there after dinner and hang out until it closed at 10 or something. I would go to replay all the time. And I think that's where I met Elise and Elaine, the girls that were obsessed with Def Leppard. And they would play music in there at night. And they play, they would play the Stones. And I, I knew every word. So I'd be like, brown sugar, you know. And I would just march around singing at the top of my lungs. And people are like, whatever. And um, I got into trouble there as well. Because, ah, you know. My dad was a weed smoker, and so I learned at an early age how to grow weed, put it in the oven, and dry it out, and he had a friend named Roy from Newport Island who gave me, <laughs> one of the times we went back up to Newport to visit, literally gave me a trash bag full of weed, a glad trash bag full of homegrown weed, and I brought it back down to Virginia Beach. <laughs> And I was rolling it into joints and selling it 
at replay to get money. You know, to buy some more sexy clothes probably for the Rocky Horror Picker Show gig I had. The stuff I couldn't steal, I bought, you know. Anyways, so I was selling joints all the time at replay. And one night, a guy said, hey, I want to buy a couple joints. I'm like, okay. So we went out back of replay and boom, I got arrested. It was an undercover cop. Or they apprehended me, I don't know. They put me in the police car and took me. And they called my dad and he came and picked me up. He was wicked pissed. And um, I do remember a court date, but I was let off. But my dad went into my bedroom and ripped down all of my roach clips. I had these tacky 80s roach clips. The roach clips with like suede strings hanging off of them with multicolored feathers hanging off of them and I had a whole mirror covered like I had had these um roach clips clipped to my mirror everywhere and I thought I was so cool with the weed paraphernalia selling joints and stuff but the thing is I wasn't smoking the weed I was just selling it and I liked the look the lifestyle I was busy jogging and doing you know, push-ups and sit-ups and stuff, making myself look healthy. But I liked the music. I liked, you know, being around it. But my dad was like, get rid of all your fucking weed paraphernalia. He was really pissed. So there was that. That was done. I'm pretty sure I was banned from replay at that point. So that sucked. And there was a part of Virginia Beach, I mean, close to my house, called Diamond, Diamond Head. And that's supposedly where all the hot guys lived. So me and the girls from school that would hang out with me would walk there on the weekends to meet new guys and stuff. It was crazy. And I became really good friends with a girl in my class in the ninth grade named Tracy Nelson. She was also a huge Def Leppard fan. And very good girl. And we would exchange notes all day at school. Little notes. Paper notes. Stupid notes. She, I called her Super Lunch Trey because her name was Tracy. And she called me Dot Jagger. We were, we were besties and I would go to her house all the time. She had a brother named Roger and her parents loved me and stuff. Anyhow, she unfortunately ended up dying from cancer. And I'm still friends with her family on Facebook the mother dotes on me, and um, that was tragic, very tragic. Good friend, Tracy Rogers from Virginia Beach, R.I.P. Super Lunch Tray. So, um, yeah, moving on to book part three. That was just another little memory I had to leave you.